Next Chapter Podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next Chapter Podcasts presents the Play On Podcast series, A Midsummer Night's Dream. For the best listening experience, be sure to use headphones or earbuds. Lord, what fools these mortals be. hour draws near four happy days deliver us a newborn moon how slow this old moon wanes like some declining dowager that just won't die she withers as does her estate four days will quickly marinate in night four nights will quickly dream away the time like an angelic archer's silvered bow, a sliver of the moon shall seat herself amidst our congregation. <laughs> Listen, Philistrate. My lord. Rile up the Athenian youth. The party's on. Go set a stage for merriment and save the melancholy mood for funerals. Despair's not on my guest list. Not tonight. Hippolyta, mm. when flirting with my sword, I won your love, but gave you injury. So I shall wed you in a different way with pomp, mm? <laughs> with circumstance <laughs> and revelation. Where's your notes also on my <clears throat> Praise Theseus, our celebrated duke. I thank you, Aegeus. So... What's the news? Most agitatedly, I'm filing suit against my child, my daughter, Hermia. My lord. Uh, Come here, Demetrius. My noble lord. This man has my consent to marry her. Mm-hmm. Come here, Lysander. My gracious duke. This man-witch cast a spell upon my child. <laughs> you, you, Lysander, gave her poetry. And little gifts went to and fro as well. 
By moonlight at her window, you would sing deluded love songs in deluded voice and mesmerized my daughter. Furthermore, with bracelets of your hair and trinkets, toys and rings and candies, nicks and flowers, knacks, gifts most engaging to the gullible. With cunning, you purloined my daughter's heart, made her obedience, my godly right, into impertinence. And so, my duke, if she should not right here before your grace agree to marry with Demetrius, I beg the old paternal right of Athens. As she is mine, then I may choose her fate, which is to marry this fine gentleman or die. Whichever outcome I decide shall be administered immediately. What say you, Hermia? I offer this advice. Regard your father as a god. A god who chose your attributes of beauty, and in his eyes, you're but a waxen form that he imprinted. So his right is to disfigure what he made, or marry it away. Demetrius is a worthy man. So is Lysander. Yes, all by himself. But if another wins your father's blessing, you should agree that he's the favorite. I wish my father looked out through my eyes. Then with your father's judgment, would you see? Mm-hmm. Excuse me, please, your grace. I don't know what got into me to make me act so bold, or how this might affect my reputation to speak my mind so clearly in your presence, but... I must beg of you to tell me, please, the worst fate that could fall on me should I refuse a marriage with Demetrius. Your execution! Or surrendering forever the society of men! Consider, Hermia, your love. And think about how young you are, your family position. If, by abandoning your father's choice, you can endure a nunnish fashion sense, forever cloistered where the sun don't shine. To live a virgin till your life is through, while chanting to a moon that's as barren as you. How blessed are they who live by self-control, who make an epic trek of self-denial. But happier is the rose plucked for perfume than that which withers on the virgin thorn and grows and lives and dies untouched by men. So will I grow, so live, so die, my lord, before I give a petal to Demetrius. His ring upon my finger puts a leash round my neck, but nay, I shall not heal. <laughs> Let's put a pin in this. Upon the new moon's birth, the day my love and I take vows to seal our love and fond companionship, <laughs> upon that day, either prepare to die for disobeying what your father says, or you may wed Demetrius as he'd like, or on Diana's altar of the moon, you'll vow to live a spinster's life in worship. Surrender, my sweet Hermia, and Lysander give up your challenge to my property. You have her father's love. If you let me have Hermia, a double wedding waits. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Most rude Lysander. Yes, he has my love, and what is mine I give to him in love. And she is mine, in possession I give to my new son, Demetrius. We're equal in society, my lord. I'm just as wealthy, and I love her more. 
my prospects are the same or better yet than what is promised for Demetrius. And what means more than all my boasts is this. I am beloved of lovely Hermia. Why shouldn't I pursue my claim on her? <laughs> Demetrius, I swear to you, was quite the flirt with Nader's daughter Helena. She fell so hard that now she worships him like he's a god. But all the prayer in all the world can't hide the fact that he's a player. I must confess that I have heard as much, and with Demetrius meant to hash it out. Preoccupation with my own affairs made me forget. Oh, Demetrius, come here. You too, Aegeus. You'll come along with me, for privately I've schooling for you both. For you, fair Hermia, Prepare yourself to act according to your father's will, or you'll be sentenced by Athenian law, which by no means can we negotiate to death or to a vow of single life. Theseus. Come, my Hippolyta, what's good, my love? Demetrius and Aegeus, come with me. I've errands for you both from matters of our wedding day, and I'll confer with you about some matters that concern you both. We follow from our will, and because you said. My lord. My lord. <sighs> How now, my love? Why are your cheeks so pale? What makes their roses fade away so fast? They are in drought, no doubt, till I unleash a flash flood from the fountains of my eyes. I may. In nothing I could ever read, could ever learn from history or fiction. The course of true love never did run smooth. But <laughs> either it came down to social standing. Oh dear, to love one lowlier than I. Or facing a disparity in age. Oh, spite! Too old to be engaged to youth. Or else one's elders chose one's paramour. Oh, hell. To choose love by another's eyes. Or even if the match were perfect, war or death or sickness would demolish love and leave it momentary as a sound, as swift as a shadow, quick as any dream, as brief as lightning in the darkest night that viciously unfolds the sky and earth before a man has power to say, look out! <laughs> The jaws of darkness swallow love away. So bright young things become confused. <laughs> so, if the course of love is always lost, it stands as law that fate has then decreed. In practice, we shall learn the art of patience, for all our troubles are to be expected as much of love as thoughts and dreams and sighs, wishes and tears that poor young dreamers follow. Indeed. And being so, then listen, Hermia. I have a widow aunt who's well-to-do except she lacks a child to spoil. Her house is 20 miles away from Athens, and she treats me as she would her only son. There, gentle Hermia, may I marry you. And the oppressions of Athenian law cannot pursue us. If you love me, then sneak from your father's house tomorrow night, and in that wood, a few miles out of town, if you recall the place where once we met with Helena to celebrate the May Day, you'll find me waiting there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you 
dear Lysander! Oh, I swear to you by Cupid's strongest bow, by his best arrow with the gold-tipped glow, oh, and by the innocence of Venus doves, by that which knits up souls and fosters loves, and by that fire where royal Dido burned, on learning that Aeneas' love was spurned, by all the promises that men have broke in number more than women ever spoke, in that same place that you direct me to, tomorrow truly I will meet with you. Oh, keep your promise. <laughs> Here comes Helena. Hermia! Hello, fair Helena. Oh. What brings you out? You call me fair? You better fair unsay. Demetrius loves your fair. Oh, yippee, fair. Your eyes shoot stars. Your lips exhaust fresh air as lovely as a lark sings in a shepherd's ear in springtime when the shrub is but up here. You catch his eye like a contagion. Though your sickness I would catch before I go. My ear should catch your voice. My eye, your eye. My tongue should catch your tongue's sweet lullaby. Could I but make Demetrius love my own? I'd cast myself away to be your clone. Oh, teach me your seductions. Show what art you ply to mesmerize Demetrius' heart. I frown upon him, yet he loves me still. Ugh, that your frowns could teach my smile such skill. I give him curses, yet he gives me love. I give him prayers, he gives me a shove. The more I hate, the more he follows me. The more I love, the more he hates on me. Oh, his foolishness is not a fault of mine. To him you're heaven. I'm a porcupine. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Take comfort. He'll no longer see my face. Soon, with Lysander, I shall flee this place. Before I saw him, then my eyes could see all Athens was a paradise to me. Oh, then, what beauty in my love may dwell. Demetrius made heaven into hell. We have a secret, Hermia and I. Tomorrow, as the moon sees from the sky herself reflected in the watery glass, bedecking pearls on all the blades of grass, a time that lovers on the run do flee, will sneak past Athens' gates and then run free. <gasps> and in the wood, where often you and I, upon pale primrose beds, were known to lie, unfolding from our hearts our secret sweet... There my Lysander and myself shall meet, and thence from Athens turn away our eyes. With strange new friends we'll come to socialize. Oh, farewell, sweet playfellow. Please pray for us, and we'll wish luck to your Demetrius. Keep word, Lysander. We must starve our sight from lover's food until tomorrow night. I will, my Hermia. Oh, Helena, adieu. As you love him, Demetrius will love you. Hmm. How happy some unlike this some can be. Through Athens, I'm considered fair as she. But what of that? Demetrius says not. For he knows everything but what he ought. And as he flails, loving on Hermia's eyes, so I regard him as my greatest prize. What he despises in me, what he'd flee, love might transform to form and dignity. For love looks not with eyes, but with the mind. Behold the reason Cupid's painted blind. Love's mind is starved of a discerning taste when, flying blind, love apprehends in haste. And therefore love is said to be a child because in choosing, often he's beguiled. 
as naughty boys when playing games tell lies. What love should bring, the Cupid then defies. Before Demetrius found my friend divine, he hailed down oaths that he was only mine. And when this hail, some heat from Hermia felt. So he dissolved, and all his oaths did melt. <gasps> I will go tell him of fair Hermia's flight. He'll gallop to the woods tomorrow night. And since I've given him his love's location, if he thanks me, it's worth the information. But my intention's to enrich my pain, to see him flee, and then come back again. Um, yeah. I couldn't even sleep last night. Could you sleep with me? It's all our company here. You are best to call them generally, man by man, according to the playbill. <clears throat> here is the scroll of every man thought good enough <laughs> through all Athens to play in our interlude for the Duke and the Duchess <laughs> on his wedding day at night. <coughs> on the, uh, First, good Peter Quince, say what the play is on about, read the names of the actors, and then zip it. Indeed. <clears throat> Our play is the most pathetic comedy and most cruel death of Pyramus and Thisbe. <laughs> Very good piece of work, I assure you, and a hoot. <laughs> now, good Peter Quince, call forth your actors by the list. Masters, keep your distance. Answer as I call you. Nick Bottom the Weaver. Ready? Name what part I am for and proceed. You, Nick Bottom are written down for Pyramus. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what is Pyramus? A lover or a tyrant? A lover that kills himself most honorably for love. That will ask <gasps> for some tears in the true performing of it. If I do it, let the audience look to their eyes. I will make rain clouds of them. I will get to moaning in some measure. <laughs> to the rest, my chief talent is for a tyrant. I could play Hercules once in a blue moon, or a raving, ranting role to every seat make moist. The raging rocks and shivering shocks shall break the locks of prison gates, and Phoebus' car shall shine from far and make more the Foolish fates. <laughs> See, this is why he's pyramid. Now, name the rest of the players. This is a Hercules vein, a tyrant's vein. A lover's more consoling. Francis Flute, the bellows mender. Here, Peter Quince. Flute, you must take on a Thisbe. <laughs> Whom is Thisbe? A wandering knight? It is the lady. That Pyramus must love. Oh, oh, heavens, please, don't make me play a woman. I've a beard. Growing? <laughs> it's all good. You shall play it in a mask, and you may speak as tinily as you're able. Uh, if I may hide my face, let me play Thisbe too. I'll speak in a monstrous tiny voice. <clears throat> 
Thisney, Thisney. Oh, Pyramus, lover dear. You're Thisby dear and lady dear. No, no. You must play Pyramus and flute. Huh? You, Thisby. Hmm? Well, proceed. <clears throat> Robin Starveling, the tailor. Robin Starveling, you must play Thisby's mother. Tom Snout, the tinker. You, Pyramus's father. Myself, Thisby's father. Snug, the joiner. <laughs> you, the lion's part. And I hope here is a play put together. <laughs> Have you the lion's part written? I beg of you, if it is, give it to me now, for I am slow of study. Ah, uh, you may improvise. It's only roaring. Let me play the lion, too. I will roar to exercise the hearts of all who hear me. I will roar. <laughs> that I will make the duke say, encore. <laughs> Let him roar again. Let him roar again. <laughs> and you should do it too frighteningly. You would alarm the duchess and the ladies so that they would shriek. And then we'll all swing by the neck. I grant you, friends, if you should fright the ladies out of their wits to such a degree, they'd have no choice but to hang us. But I will aggravate my voice and roar you as gently as any suckling dove. I will roar you like a nightingale. You can play no part but Pyramus. <gasps> For Pyramus is a sweet-faced man, a yeah, but... proper man, as one shall see in a summer's day, a most lovely, gentleman-like man. <gasps> Therefore, you're required to play Pyramus. <gasps> I will undertake it. <laughs> what beard is best to play it in? Uh, why, what you will. Oh, I will discharge it in either your straw-colored beard, oh, your orange tawny beard, yeah, yeah. your purple-flecked beard, mm -hmm. or your beard that's the color of the French crown. Your perfect yellow. Absolutely. Some of your French crowns are bald, what with the syphilis going round, and then you will play bareface. <laughs> But, masters, here are your parts. And I am to entreat you, request you, and desire you to learn them by tomorrow night. Sure. And meet me in the palace wood, a mile outside of town, by moonlight. There will we rehearse. For if we meet in the city, we will be deluged with fans, and they will learn all our tricks. In the meantime, I will draw a prop list as our play wants. I beg of you, don't fail me. We will meet, and there, rehearse obscenely and courageously. Take pains. Be perfect. Adieu. At the Duke's Oak, we'll meet. Just us. <laughs> Enough. Be there. Or somewhere else.
How now, spirit? Where are you wandering? Over hill, over dale, through bush, through briar, over park, over vale, through flood, through fire. I do wander everywhere, swifter than the lunar sphere, and I serve the fairy queen. Sprinkling dew upon the green Out of the cowslips guardians be In gold coats their spots you see Those be rubies Fairy favors In those freckles live their savers <laughs> I must seek some dewdrops here Hang pearls in each cowslip's ear Some <gasps> old spirit I'll be gone Queen and elves shall meet anon. The king will hold his revels here tonight. Beware the queen come not within his sight. For Oberon is full of mighty rage. On her attends a boy of tender age that he contends is of an Indian king. She never had so sweet a changeling. And jealous Oberon would have the child become his knight to stride the forests wild. With force, she holds her fond, beloved boy, and crowning him in flowers makes him her joy. And now they never meet in grove or green, by fountain clear or under starlight sheen, but argue. So that all their elves, for fear, creep into acorn cups and hide in there. Either I mistake this shape within my sight, or else you are that shrewd and knavish sprite called Robin Goodfellow. <laughs> are not you he who scares the maidens of the villagery, steals cream from milk and often grinds the corn. Your fruitless task makes fruitful wives careworn. You sometime make the beer to bear no foam. You mislead travelers laughing as they roam. Some call you hobgoblin and some sweet puck. You do their work and they shall have good luck. Are not you I, <laughs> what you speak be right. I am that merry wanderer of the night. I jest to Oberon and make him smile. I'll feed a horse some beans, then in a while they start to like they're a newborn foal. Or I might linger in a gossip's bowl and so disguise as a roasted crab that when she drinks, against her lips I stab and on her wrinkled neck down pours the ale. <laughs> the wisest aunt who tells the saddest tale from thinking I'm a stool will rest her hind on me. I slip under her bum, down topples she, crying, Taylor! Falling then into a cough. All in the tavern hold their hips and scoff, their mirth so multiplied, they sneeze and swear a merrier hour was never wasted there. <laughs> Fairy, flee, for here comes Oberon. And here my mistress, 
I wish that he were gone. Next Chapter Podcast is proud to present the Play On Podcast series, Coriolanus. In a new modern English verse translation by Sean San Jose. Starting Friday, November 8th, hear Shakespeare's tragedy about the legendary Roman leader who fell prey to the people and politicians he swore to protect. Performed entirely by women and gender non-binary actors. Go to playonpodcast.com to learn more. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Forbid his bed and company. You rest-rotten! Am I not your lord? If so, I'd be your lady, but I know. When you have sneaked away from fairyland, and in a shepherd's shape then sat all day, you play on corn pipes and write verses to a love-struck shepherdess. <laughs> Why are you here? Come from the farthest mount of India? Perhaps because the bouncing Amazon, your leathery mistress and your warrior love, to Theseus must be wedded, and you come to give their bed joy and prosperity. How can you say this? Oh, for shame, Titania. You make your cracks about Hippolyta, knowing I know your love to Theseus. Uh, Did you not lead him through the glimmering night from Paragania, who he ravished so, and make him break his oath to fair ageless with Ariadne and Antiope? These are all deceptions made of jealousy. And never... Since the middle summer spring, met we on hill, in dale, forest, or field, by man-paved fountain, or by nature's brook, or in the beaches ringed about the sea, to dance our ringlets to the whistling wind. But all your sneering has disturbed our sport. And so the winds, which blow on us as though they seek revenge, have sucked up from the sea contagious fogs which falling in the land have every swelling river made so full that they have flooded all the lands around. And so the ox has stretched his yoke in vain. The plower lost his soil, and all his corn has rotted well before it grew its beard. 
The sheep pens empty in the flooded field, and crows are fattened by the rotting flock. The fields for sporting are filled up with mud. The tidy mazes in the garden now, from lack of feet, are indistinguishable. The human mortals want their winter cheer. No hymns or carols bless the cursed night. And so, the moon, the governess of floods, pale in her anger, washes all the air. That rheumatic diseases now abound. And we, through this disease and sickness, see the seasons alter. Frightful freezing frosts make cold intrusion on the crimson rose. And on the chin and crown of Harmony's god, a fragrant circle of sweet summer buds is, as a mockery set, the spring, the summer, the pregnant autumn. Angry winter now exchange their qualities. The world, amazed and frightened, now knows not who's who. And this same family of evils comes from our debate, born of our disputation. We are their parents and their ancestors. Do you propose a fix? It lies in you. Why should Titania cross her Oberon? I do but beg a little fairy boy to be my henchman. Set your heart at rest. The fairyland took not the child for me. His mother was a worshiper of mine. And in the spiced Indian air by night, most often did she gossip by my side and beach beside me on the yellow sands. We'd comment as the trading ship set sail, when we had laughed to see the sails open up, becoming billowed by the wanton wind, which she would imitate with pretty steps, her belly thus ballooning with my squire. She then would travel all about the land to fetch me presents and return again, as from a voyage rich with merchandise. But she, being mortal, of that boy did die. And for her sake, I'm rearing up her boy. And for her sake, I will not part with him! How long's your plan to stay within this wood? Perhaps till after Theseus' wedding day. If you will patiently join in our dance and see our moonlight revels, go with us. If not, avoid me, and from you, I'm gone. Give me that boy, and I will go with you. Not for your fairy kingdom! Fairies away! We'll only bicker if I longer stay. Go your way! You shall not leave this grove till I torment you for insulting me!
my gentle puck. Come, over here. Remember since once I sat upon an ocean's rock and heard a mermaid on a dolphin's back performing such a sweet, harmonious tune. The stormy sea grew civil at her song, and certain stars shot from their orbits, mad to hear the sea maid's music. I remember. That very time I saw, but you could not, flying between the cold moon and the earth with all his arrows, Cupid taking aim at a fair virgin looking to the sunset. He shot his love shaft deftly from his bow, like it would pierce a hundred thousand hearts. But I then saw young Cupid's fiery shaft grow inundated by the watery moon. The queenly virgin, safe and on her way, in maiden meditation, fancy-free. So, I took note where Cupid's arrow fell. It fell upon a little western flower, at first milk-white, now purple with love's wound. And maidens call it love in idleness. (laughs) Fetch me that flower, the herb I showed you once. The juice of it on sleeping eyelids laid will make the sleeper madly fall in love upon the next live creature that she sees. Fetch me this earth and hurry back again before a giant fish can swim a league. I'll make a circle round about the earth in... 40 minutes! Once I have this juice, I'll watch Titania when she's asleep and drop the liquor of it in her eyes. The next thing she then waking looks upon, be it a lion, bear, or wolf, or bull, on meddling monkey, or busy ape, she shall pursue it with the soul of love. Before I take this charm from off her sight, As I can take it with another herb, she'll then surrender up her page to me. But who comes here? I'm invisible, and I will overhear their comments. Oh, oh, Demetrius! Demetrius! I love you not. Therefore, pursue me not. Where is Lysander and fair Hermia? I'll murder one. The other murders me. You told me both of them sneaked in this wood, and I am here wandering about this wood because I cannot meet my Hermia. So go! Vamos! And follow me no more! You draw me to you like you are made of metal, and yet you draw not iron, for my heart is true as steel. Give up your power to draw, and I shall have no power to follow you. Do I entice you? Um, Do I speak of love? Or rather, do I not in plainest truth tell you I do not, nor I cannot, love you? And Ian, for that, do I love you the more. I am your spaniel. And Demetrius, the more you beat me, I will fawn on you. Ew. Like I'm your spaniel. Use me, spurn and strike. Neglect me. Lose me. Only leave me free, unworthy as I am, to follow you. What 
lesser place could I request your love, and yet a place of high respect with me, than to be used as you would use your dog? Ah! Don't tempt too much the hatred of my spirit, for I am sick when I do look on you. And I am sick when I look not on you. You put at risk your virgin reputation mm-hmm. to leave the city and commit yourself into the hands of one that loves you not to trust the dangers hid within the night. So vulnerable in this deserted place to risk the worth of your virginity. Your valor will protect me, for it is no night when I can gaze upon your face, and so I feel I am not in the night. Nor does this wood lack worlds of company, for you, from my perspective, are the world. Then how can it be said I am alone when all the world is here to look on me? Oh, I'll run from you and hide within the bushes and leave you to the hungry animals. The wildest of them don't possess your heart. Run when you will. The story shall be changed. Apollo flies, and Daphne keeps the chase. The dove pursues the vulture, and the deer makes speed to catch the tiger. Helpless speed, when cowardice pursues and courage flies. I will not stand your questions. Let me go. Mm. Or if you follow me, then have no doubt that I shall do you mischief in the wood. You in the temple, in the town, the field, make mischief. Uh. Oh, for shame, Demetrius. Your flaws reveal the weakness of my sex. We cannot fight for love, as men may do. It's better we're pursued than to pursue. Uh, uh, I'll follow you and make a heaven of hell to die upon the hand I love so well. Farewell, my nymph. Before he leaves this grove, you shall leave him and he shall seek your love. Have you the flower? Welcome, wanderer. Hi. There it is. I pray, give it to me. I know a river bank where wild thyme blows, where oxlips and the nodding violet grows, quite over canopy with luscious woodbine, with sweet musk roses, with eglantine. Titania sometimes sleeps there through the night. Lulled in these flowers with dances and delight. And there the snake sheds her enameled skin. A bed so wide to wrap a fairy in. And with the juice of this, I'll daub her eyes. Where once she hated, she shall fantasize. (laughs) You... To the grove let your attentions turn, for there I saw a boy most cruelly spurn a girl from Athens. There, anoint his eyes, but do it when the next thing that he spies may be the girl. To find him, I attest that in Athenian garments he is dressed. Apply the juice with care, that he may prove so loving on her. She'd such love remove. Let's meet before we hear the first cock crow. Fear not, my lord. Servant shall do so. Ah. 
Come, now with dances and a fairy song. Then, for the third part of a minute, leave. Some to kill insects in the musk rose buds. Some war with red mice for their leathern wings to make my small elves coats. And some to hush the noisy owl that nightly hoots and wonders at our quaint doings. Sing me now asleep. Then to your duties, I, and let me rest. And one, and two, and... You spotted snakes with double tongues. Thorny hedgehogs we not see. Boots and white words do no wrong. Come not near our fairy. wandering in the wood. To tell the truth, I have forgot our way. Oh. Oh. We'll rest now, Hermia, if you think it good, and rest together till the break of day. Oh. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
Well, so be it then, Lysander. Find a bed while I upon this bank will rest my head. One piece of earth can hold the heads of two. One heart, one bed, two bosoms, me and you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Nay, good Lysander. For my sake, my dear, lie further off yet. Do not lie so near. <laughs> Embrace the sense, sweet, of my innocence. My love is speaking meaning no offense. I mean that my heart into yours is knit, so but one heart then we can make of it. Two bosoms chained together with an oath, united by one heart between us both. With me, no bedroom would you dare deny. For lying so, Hermia, I do not lie. <laughs> ah, Lysander riddles very prettily. Ugh, curses on my manners and my pride, if Hermia meant to say Lysander lied. Mm -hmm. But, gentle friend, for love and courtesy, ugh, mm. lie further off. In human modesty, such separation as may well be said becomes a virtuous bachelor and a maid. Ah-ah-ah, oh. uh -uh -uh. so far be distant. And good night, sweet friend. May love remain until your sweet life end. Amen. Amen to that fair prayer say I. But with life's end, I'll bid my love goodbye. Here is my bed. Soon, let us both be dozed sad. <laughs> with half that wish, the wisher's eyes be closed. have I gone. Athenians, I found me none, on whose eyes I'll make example of this flower's forcefulness in stirring love. Uh, night and silence. <gasps> Who is here? Clothes of Athens does he wear? This is he, my master said, despised the Athenian maid. And here the maiden, sleeping sound on the dank and dirty ground. Oh, pretty soul, she does not lie near this rude, impetuous guy. Ass! Upon your eyes I throw all the power this charm doth owe. When you wake, let love Forbid all sleepiness on your eyelid. So, awake when I am gone, for I must now to Oberon. Not so. Stay at your peril. I alone will go. 
Oh, I am breathless from this lover's chase. The more I pray, the lesser is my grace. For Hermia's happy anywhere she lies, as she has sparkling, attractive eyes. What made her eyes so bright? Her salty tears? Well, my eyes get a washing more than hers. Oh, no. Nope. I am as ugly as a bear. For beasts that meet me run away in fear. For sure. It is no marvel that Demetrius does like a monster flee my presence thus. What would my lying looking glass surmise to make compare with Hermia's gorgeous eyes? <sighs> but who is here? Lysander! On the ground! <gasps> Dead! Or asleep. No wound or blood is found. Hmm. Lysander, if you live, good sir, awake! And run through fire I will for your sweet sake! Uh? Transparent Helena shows nature's art. I once saw bosoms, now I see your heart. Where is Demetrius? Ooh, how fit a word is that vile name to perish on my sword. Do not say so, Lysander, say not so. What, though he loves your Hermia? Lord, what though? Oh, yet Hermia still loves you. Be content. Content with Hermia? No. I do resent the tedious time that she and I have spent. Huh? Not Hermia, but Helena I love. Who wouldn't change a raven for a dove? Oh. Oh. The will of man is by his reason swayed, and reason tells me you're the finer maid. Oh. Things growing ripen not until their season, so I, being young, just ripened now to reason. Oh, and touching now the point of human skill, for reason's now commander of my will and leads me to your eyes. Where I, oh look, love stories written in love's richest book. Why was I to this cruel mockery born? What at your hands did I deserve this scorn? Is it enough or not enough, young man, that I did never know nor never can deserve flirtation from Demetrius' eye? But you must mock me with a blatant lie? Good Lord, you do me wrong. Good Lord, you do, in such a crushing manner as you woo. But farewell then. I must by chance confess, I thought you ruled from greater gentleness. No, no. Oh, that a lady who one man refused should of another come to be abused. Oh. Oh. She sees not Hermia. Hermia, sleep right here and near Lysander, dare you not appear. For as a surplus of the sweetest things, the deepest loathing to the stomach brings, or... As the falsities that men do leave are hated most by those that they deceive. So you, my surplus and my falsity, of all be hated but the most of me. And all my powers, use your love and might to honor Helen and make me her knight. 
what a dream was here. Lysander, look at me. I quake with fear. I dreamed a serpent ate my heart away, and you sat smiling at his cruel prey. Lysander? You ignore me? Lord? Lysander! What? Out of hearing? Gone? No sound? No word? Ugh. Where are you? Speak to me, and if you hear, speak of all lives. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, I'm fainting now with fear. Oh, oh. No? Then you're not near me that I see. Either death or you I'll find immediately. Next Chapter Podcasts is proud to present the Play On Podcast Series, Macbeth, in a new modern English verse translation by Magdalia Cruz. Art thou but a dagger of the mind? Hear Shakespeare like you've never heard before. Performed by award-winning actors in a production that breathes new life into a timeless tale. Men are weak. Go to playonpodcasts.com to learn more. Put on your headphones. And don't forget to wash your hands. Leave all the rest to me. You spotted slaves with double tongues. Come not near our fairy. Are we all here? Ready? Yes! Yes! And here is a marvelous, convenient place for our rehearsal. This green plot shall be our stage. And this hawthorn bush, our dressing room. And we will perform it now as we'll perform it for the Duke. Peter Quince. Uh, what do you have to say, oh bossy bottom? There are things in this comedy of Pyramus and Thisbe that will never please. First, Pyramus must draw a sword to kill himself, which the ladies cannot abide. How do you answer that? Oh, snap. It is a risky move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's best we leave the killing out when all is done. Not a whit. I have a device to make all well. Write me a prologue. And let the prologue seem to say, oh, we will do no harm with our swords, and that Pyramus is not killed indeed. And to make the audience feel even better, tell them that I, Pyramus, am not Pyramus, but Bottom the Weaver. This will put them out of fear. Yes, 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 yes. 
We will have such a prologue, and it shall be written in eight lines and six lines. No, make it two more. Let it be written in eight and eight. Mm-hmm. Will not the ladies be afeard of the lion? I fear it, I promise you. Masters, you ought to consider amongst yourselves to bring in God protect us. A lion among ladies is a most dreadful thing. For there's no more fearful a wild fowl than your lion living. And <laughs> we ought to deal with it. Then... Another prologue must tell that he's not a lion. Nay, you must name his name, and half his face must be seen through the lion's neck, and he himself must speak through, saying thus, or to the same defect, ladies, or fair ladies, I would wish you, or I would request you, or I would beg you not to fear... Not to tremble. My life for yours. If you think I come out here as a lion, it would be the saddest thing in my life. No, I am no such thing. I am a man, as other men are. And there, indeed, let him say his name and spell it out that he is Snug the Joiner. You're welcome. Well, it shall be so. But there is two hard things. That is... To bring the moonlight into a chamber, for you know, Pyramus and Thisbe meet by moonlight. Will the moon shine the night of our play? A calendar! A calendar! Look at the almanac! And the moon shines! And the moon shines! Yes! It shines at night! And may you leave a panel of the great chamber window open, and the moon may shine through it. Sure, or else one must come in with a bush of thorns and a lantern and say he comes to disfigure or to present the person of moonshine. Then there is another thing. We must have a wall in the great chamber for Pyramus and Thisbe says the story, chatted, through the gash in a wall. You can never bring in a wall. What say you, Bottom? Huh. Uh-huh. Some man or other must present wall and let him have some plaster or some brick or some cement about him to signify wall and let him hold his fingers thus and through that gash... Shall Pyramus and Thisbe whisper? If that may be, then all is well. (laughs) Sit down, every mother's child, and rehearse your parts. Pyramus, you begin. When you have spoken your speech, enter into that bush. And so everyone, according to his cue... Hillbillies have we that flounce about so near the cradle of the fairy queen. A play? If so, I'll play the critic's part. An actor, too, perhaps, if I've the chance. Speak, Pyramus! Thisbe, stand forth. Thisbe! 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 The flowers of odious savor sweet. Odorous! Odorous! Odorous savors sweet. 
so has your breath, my dearest Thisbe dear. But listen up, a voice. Stay here a while, and soon enough, I will to you appear. <laughs> a stranger Pyramus has never played here. Uh, must I speak now? I indeed, you must... You must understand. He goes, but to huh? see a noise that he heard and will come back again. Most most radiant Pyramus, most lily white of hue, of color like the red rose in a briar, most spiky juvenile and lovely too. As true as truest horse that yet would never tire, I'll meet you, Pyramus, at Ninny's tomb. Nina's tomb, man. <laughs> Why, you must not speak that yet. That you answer to Pyramus. <gasps> you speak all your part at once, cues and all. <clears throat> Pyramus, enter. Your cue is passed. It is never tire. Oh. <clears throat> Ready? As true as truest horse that yet would never tire. If I were fair, Thisbe, I were only yours. You are transformed! What do I see on you? What do you see? You see an asshat of your own, do you? Monsters! Oh, strange! We are haunted! Pray, masters! Flee! Masters! I'll lead or follow on a path around. Through bog, through bushes, and through hedge and briar. Sometime a horse I'll be, sometime a hound, a hog, a headless bear, sometimes a fire, a neigh and bark and grunt and roar and burn, like horse, hound, hog, bear, fire at every turn! The knavery of them to make me a feared. Bless you, Bada, bless you. What a makeover. <laughs> oh, I see through their mischief. It's to make an ass of me. To scare, scare me, if they could. But I will not budge from this place. Do what they can. I will walk up and down here, and I will sing so they shall hear that I am not afraid. The weasel cock so black of hue with orange tawny bill. The frost so with the note so true, the wren with little quill. Wakes me from my flowery bed. The finch, the sparrow, and the lark, the plain song cuckoo gray, uh, uh, whose notes that many a man doth mark and dares not answer nay. <laughs> For indeed, what man would choose to be as foolish as a bird? Who would give a bird such respect, even though what he says is cuckoo? <laughs> <laughs> 
I pray you, gentle mortal, sing again. My ear is much enamored of your sound. So are my eyes enthralled by your shape. The power of your virtue forces me, on my first view, to say, to swear, I love you. You shall have little reason for that. And yet, to speak the truth, reason and love keep little company together nowadays. The more the pity that some honest neighbors will not make them friends. Nay, I can't gleek upon occasion. You are as wise as you are beautiful. Not so neither. But if I had wit enough to get out of this wood, I have enough to serve my own purpose. Out of this wood? Nay, dare not leave this spot. You shall stay here. Whether you like or not, I am a spirit of no common rate. The summer still attends upon my state, and I do love you. Oh, therefore, go with me. I'll give you fairies to attend on you, and they shall fetch you jewels from the deep and sing while you on pressed flowers sleep. And I will purge your mortal grossness so that you shall like an airy spirit go. Peas Blossom? <clears throat> Cobweb? Up. Moth? Yeah. And Mustard Seed? Ugh. Ready. And I. And I. And I. <gasps> Where, Where shall, shall we go? go? Be kind and courteous to this Gentlewoman. <laughs> Hop in her walks and frolic in her eyes. Feed her with apricots and dewberries, with purple grapes, green figs, and mulberries. The honey bags steal from the humble bees, and for night candles, crop their waxen thighs and light them at the fiery glowworm's eyes. To have my love to bed and to arise. And pluck the wings from painted butterflies. To fan the moonbeams from her sleeping eyes. Nod to her elves and do her curtisize. Hail, mortal. Hail. 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 I beg for your honor's mercy heartily. I beg your worship's name. <laughs> Cobweb. Well, I would like to know you better, good mistress Cobweb. If I cut my finger, I shall approach you. <laughs> oh, 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 your name, honest gentleman? Peace, Blossom. Oh, I pray you, commend me to Mistress Squash, your mother, and to Master Peace God, your father. <laughs> good Master Peace Blossom, I shall wish to know you better, too. <laughs> Your, your name, I beseech you, sir. Mustard Seed. Good Master Mustard Seed, I know you're suffering well. That bloated sides of beef devoured many a gentleman of your house. I promise you, your condiment relations have made my eyes water before now. I desire more acquaintance, good Master Mustard Seed. Come, wait upon her. Lead her to my bower. The moon regards us with a watery eye, and when she weeps, weeps every little flower. She mourns for some 
demanding chastity. <laughs> Tie up my love's tongue. Bring her silently. <laughs> I wonder if Titania is awake. Then, what it was that next came in her sight, which she must love on in extremity. <laughs> Here comes my messenger. How now, mad spirit? What's the commotion round this haunted grove? My mistress, with a monster, is in love! <laughs> Beside her private and most cozy bower, while she was in her dull and sleeping hour, a crew of actors, rude mechanicals that work for bread upon Athenian stalls, were met together to rehearse a play intended for Great Theseus' wedding day. The dumbest mongrel of a barren sort, who Pyramus presented in their sport, gave up her scene and entered in a hedge. I took advantage as I had the edge. An ass's mask I fixed upon her head! As such, her thisbe must be answered. And forth my mimic comes. When she they spy, as geese that see the creeping hunter's eye, or reddish-headed jackdaws, some in sort, rising and shouting at the gun's report, remove themselves and so take to the sky! So, at her sight... Away her fellows fly! And at our sound there, o'er and o'er one falls. He cries, help, murder! And for Athens calls! Their senses weakened, so their fears are strong. Make senseless things begin to do them wrong. For briars and thorns at their apparel snatch. Some sleeves, some hats, on bush thorns all do catch. I led them on in this distracted fear, and left sweet Pyramus transformed there. When in that moment, so it came to pass, Titania waked and straightway loved an ass. Oh, this outcome's better than I dare devise. <laughs> <laughs> but... Have you yet wet the Athenians' eyes with love juices as I asked you to do? I took him sleeping. That is finished, too. And the Athenian woman by his side, that when he woke, she was the first he spied. Hermia! Hermia! Stand close. This is the same Athenian. Uh, she is the woman, Hermia. but he's not the man. Hermia! Hermia. Oh! Why reject the one who loves you so? Say words so bitter to your bitter foe. Now I but nag, but I should treat you worse. For you, Demetrius, gave me cause to curse. If you have slain Lysander in his sleep, continue plunging then and knife me deep. The sun was not as faithful to the day as he to me. Would he have sneaked away from sleeping Hermia? All is soon believe. This solid earth is hollowed, and the moon may to its center creep and so displeased to drown the noontide with the earth's other seas. It cannot be, but you have murdered him. So murderers should look, so dead, so grim. So should the murdered look, and so should I, pierced through the heart that you might say goodbye. Yet you, the murderer, look as bright, as clear as Venus yonder in her 
glimmering sphere. Oh, what's this to my Lysander? Where is he? Oh, good Demetrius, give him up to me. I had rather give his carcass to my hounds. Out, dog! Out, mongrel! You surpass the bounds of maiden's patience. Have you slain him then? If so, you'll not be counted among men. For once, be real, be truthful for my sake. Dare you have looked upon him being awake, and have you killed him sleeping? Hey, nice touch! Could not a worm or serpent do so much? A serpent did it, and with divided tongue that you, you snake, you never serpent stung! You waste your rage on a mistaken mood! I am not guilty of Lysander's blood, nor is he dead, for... Aught that I can tell. I pray you, promise me that he is well. And if I could, what would I do it for? A privilege. Hmm. Never to see me more. And from your hated presence, off I go. No further see me, whether dead or no! Uh... I'd, uh, I'd better not pursue her fierce disdain. So, for a moment, here I will remain. As sorrow's heaviness grows heavier yet, she bankrupted the sleep where I am at debt. Which now, in small amounts, I'll gladly pay. And my tenderness may tender rest today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. What have you done? Do you not realize you placed my magic on a true love's eyes? You failed me to degrees you can't undo. It's true love falsified, not false turned true. Then fate's to blame. When one man keeps his vow, a million others break theirs anyhow. Uh, go, swifter than the wind, this would about. And Helena of Athens, you'll find out. All lovesick, now in deficit of cheer. With sighs of love to make a lion fear. By some illusion, you will bring her here. I'll charm his eyes to love what shall appear. I go. I go! Look how I go! Swifter than arrow from Barbarian's bow! Flower of this purple dye, hit with Cupid on the sly, sink in apple of his eye. With his love he soon shall spy, let her beauty amplify. Like a Venus of the sky. When you wake, if she be by, beg her for an alibi. Captain of our ferry band, 
Helena is here at hand, and the youth mistook by me, pleading love from saddened she. Shall we their fine pageancy? Lord, what fools these mortals be! Stand aside. The noise they make will cause Demetrius to soon awake. Then will two at once woo one. She gets one, then she is done. And those things do best please me that unfold preposterously. Why should you think that I seduce in scorn? You'll never find derision in my tears. Look, when I vow, I weep. And vows so born in their unfolding, then all truth appears. <laughs> How can my feelings all seem scorned to you when they bear marks of faith to prove them true? <laughs> you do perfect your cunning more and more. When truth kills truth, what an unholy mess. These vows are Hermia's, whom you adore. Weigh oath with oath, you'll measure nothing less. To balance both our vows upon two scales, they'd weigh the same, as light as fairy tales. I had no judgment when to her I swore. Not when it's Hermia you would deplore. Demetrius loves her and he loves not you. Uh-huh. Helena, my goddess, oh, my nymph divine, to what... My love, shall I compare thine eye? Uh, crystal is muddy. Oh, how ripe and show your lips. Those kissing cherries tempting grow. That iridescent white of highest mountain snow blown with the eastern wind becomes a crow when you hold up your hand. Oh, let me kiss this princess of pure white, this seal of bliss. Oh, oh. spite. Oh, hell! I see you all are bent to mock my passions for your merriment. Helen, if you were civil and knew courtesy, no. you would not do me this much injury. Please. Can you not hate me as I know you do? But you must join in souls to mock me too? Help me! Next Chapter Podcast is proud to present the Play On Podcast series, Coriolanus, in a new modern English verse translation by Sean San Jose. Starting Friday, November 8th, hear Shakespeare's tragedy about the legendary Roman leader who fell prey to the people and politicians he swore to protect, performed entirely by women and gender non-binary actors. Go to playonpodcast.com to learn more. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer.
Oh, hell. Oh, I see you all are bent to mock my passions for your merriment. Huh? If you were civil and knew courtesy, you would not do me this much injury. Can I... you not hate me as I know you do? But you must join in souls to mock me too? No, 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 no. If you were men, as men you are in show, you would not use a gentle lady so. Oh, to bow and swear and or praise my parts when I am sure you hate me with your heart. No, no. You both are rivals and love Hermia. No. And now both rivals mocking Helena. Such brave maneuvers, men. What enterprise to conjure tears up in a poor girl's eyes with your derision? None of noble sort would so offend a virgin and extort a gentle soul that you exploit for sport. You are unkind, Demetrius. Be not so. For you of Hermia, this you know I know. Uh. And here, with all good will, with all my heart in Hermia's love, then you can take my part. If yours of Helena to me you gave, then I would love her now until the grave. Never did mockers waste more idle breath. Lysander, keep your Hermia. I am done. If once I loved her, all that love is gone. My heart now from its early path is spurned and now to Helen is at home returned there to remain. Oh. Helen, it is not so. Don't criticize the faith you do not know, lest to your peril you would pay it dear. Stop. Uh, look, here your love comes. Behold, thy dear. When night deprives the purpose of the eye, our fear then makes our hearing multiply. So while it takes away the seeing sense, our hearing doubles as our sole defense. You are not by my eye, then Lysander found. My ear, I thank it, brought me to your sound. Why so cruelly did you leave me so? Why should he stay whom love compels to go? What love compels Lysander from my side? Lysander's love that would not be denied fair Helena, <laughs> who brightens up the night more than your fiery rays and eyes of light. <gasps> Why look for me? Could not this make you know the hate I bear you made me leave you so? You speak not as you think. It cannot be. Lo, she is one of this confederacy. Now I perceive they have conferred all three to fashion up a joke in spite of me. <gasps> Insulting Hermia, most ungrateful maid. Have you conspired? Have you with them contrived to mock me with your sneering attitude? Uh. And all the conversation that we shared, the sisters' vows, the hours that we have spent. We cursed the rudeness of the ticking clock for parting us. Oh, is it all forgot? All school days' friendship? Childhood innocence? We, Hermia, like two artificial gods, have with our needles created one flower. Both on one sampler. Sitting on one cushion, both warbling of one song, both in one key, as if our hands, our sides, voices, and minds had been incorporated into one. So like two cherries, we seem separate, but yet together in that we are apart. Two lovely berries molded on one stem, so with two seeming bodies, but one heart. Two of the first like we're the heralds of one family united neath one crest. 
And will you tear our ancient love apart to join with men in scorning your poor friend? Uh, it is not friendly. It is not maidenly. Our sex, as well as I, may scold you then, though I alone do feel the injury. I am amazed at your impassioned words. I scorn you not. It seems that you scorn me. Did you not send Lysander, as in scorn, to follow me and praise my eyes and face? What? I made your other love, Demetrius, who even now just spurred me with his foot to call no, me no, goddess, no. nymph, divine, and rare, celestial, precious. Why does he say this to her he hates? And why then does Lysander deny your love so rich within his soul and tender me instead affection, but you put them both to it by your will? Although I'm not as graceful as yourself, surrounded so with love, so fortunate, most miserable am I to love unloved. This you should pity rather than despise. I do not understand what you could mean. Oh, please. Push forward with the fake sad looks. Make funny faces when I turn my back and wink at one another. What a scream! This joke is legendary, have no doubt. If you have any pity, grace, or manners, you would not make me such an argument. Fare you well. What is partly mine own fault, which death or absence soon shall remedy. Stay, gentle Helena. Hear my excuse. My love, my life, my soul. Fair Helena. Oh, excellent. Sweet, do not scorn her soul. If she cannot persuade, I can compel. You can compel no more than she persuade. Your threats aren't any stronger than her prayers. Helen, I love you. By my life, I do. I swear by that which I will lose for you to prove him false that says I love you not. <laughs> I say I love you more than he can do. If you say so, be gone and prove it too. <laughs> Quick, come. You, Lysander, what's the point of all this? Away, you dreadful hag! No, no, he will play at escaping, faking how you follow, but don't come yet. You are a tame man. Go! Get off, you cat, you burr, vile thing. Let loose, or I will shake you off me like a serpent. So do you. Demetrius, I will keep my word with you. I would I had your guarantee. I see a weak bond holds you. I'll not trust your word. What? Should I hurt her? Strike her? Kill her dead? Although I hate her, I'll not harm her so. What? Can you do me greater harm than hate? Hate me? Wherefore, oh, me, what news, my love? Am not I, Hermia? Are not you, Lysander? I am as fair now as I was before this. Since night you loved me, yet since night you left me. Why, 
Then you left me. Oh, God forbid. Sincerely, shall I say? Yes, by my life. And never did desire to see you more. Therefore, be out of hope, of question, doubt. Be certain nothing truer. Tis no joke that I do hate you and love Helena. <sighs> oh, me. You, juggler. Oh, you, festering blister. You thief of love. What? Have you come by night and stolen my love's heart from him? Indeed. Have you no modesty, no maybe of shame, no touch of bashfulness? What? Will you tear impatient answers from my gentle tongue? Shame. Shame. You counterfeit. You puppet, you. Puppet? Why so? Uh, aye, aye, that way goes the game. Aye, I perceive that she now makes compare between our statures. She has played her height, and with her personage, her tall personage, her height, indeed, she has defeated me. And are you grown so high in his esteem because I am so dirthish and so low? Well, how low am I, you painted maypole? Oh, speak! How low am I? I am not yet so low that I can't reach my nails into your eyes! (laughs) I pray you, though you mock me, gentlemen, let her not hurt me. I was never cross. I have no talent towards bitchiness. I am dainty, fainting in my cowardice. Let her not strike me. You perhaps may think because she is somewhat lower than myself that I can match her. Lower? Listen more. Good, Hermia. Do not be so bitter with me. Because I always loved you, Hermia. I always listened. Never did you wrong. Except... In love towards Demetrius, I told him that you'd sneak into this wood. <gasps> oh, he followed oh. you. For love, I followed him. But he has mocked me since and threatened me to strike me, spurn me. No, to kill me, too. And now, so you'll let me go quietly to Athens, will I bear my errors back and follow you no further. <laughs> let me go. You see how simple and in love I am. Why, get you gone. Who is it stopping you? A foolish heart that I leave here behind. What? With Lysander? With Demetrius. Uh. not afraid. She shall not harm you, Helena. (laughs) No, sir, she won't, although you take her part. Oh, when she is angry, she is keen and shrewd. She was a vixen when she went to school, and though she be but little, she is fierce. Little? Again? Nothing but low and little. Why will you suffer her to mock me thus? Let me come to her! Be gone, you dwarf! You less than nothing... Made of bits of grass, you bead, you acorn. <laughs> You're overzealous on her behalf, who scorns your offerings. Let her alone. Don't speak of Helena. Don't take her part, for truly, if you mean to show her such disinterest, you shall suffer for it. Oh, now she releases me. Now follow, if you <sighs> dare. To try whose love of yours or mine lives most in Helena. Follow? 
Nay, I am beside you, cheek by jowl. <laughs> You, mistress, uh, all this trouble is for you. Uh, no, uh, don't go back. I'll never trust you, nay, nor linger in your cursed company. Your hands are quicker for a fight than mine. My legs are longer, though, to run away. I am amazed. I know not what to say. Negligence could be an accident or a deliberate fiasco. Which? Oh, King of Shadows, all an accident. Did you not say I'd recognize the man by the Athenian garment he had on? Mm. I followed orders in this enterprise when I anointed an Athenian's eyes. Since then, this fracas has my full support. I cheer each bicker as a crowd does sport. You see... These lovers seek a place to fight. Proceed now, Robin. Overcast the night in fields of stars, hide in a constellation, in fog to shield the eye from penetration. Each rival's destinations deviate from confrontation with the ones they hate. Now, play Lysen, imitate his speech, enrage Demetrius beyond his reach, and sometimes argue like Demetrius. So, from each other you will lead them thus, till over them a deathly seeming sleep with heavy legs and bat-blind wings may creep. Then, crush this herb into Lysander's eye, whose liquor has a virtuous property. Where once delusion rendered him uncouth, his eyes know no illusion but the truth. From night awakening, his scorn and hate, the light of morning, shall evaporate. And then to Athens in the lover's hints, with love abiding till their deaths commence. While my instructions keep you in employ, I'll find my queen and win her Indian boy. And then... Her eyes are from my charm release, from love of monsters, leaving all in peace. My fairy lord, I'll get to work, and quick! Dawn's dragon fires cut through the clouds so thick, beyond approaching shines the promised sun. The ghosts that wander, knowing night is done, troop home to churchyards, Cursed spirits all, between two worlds to turn to burial, already to their wormy beds make haste. For fear that day may see them with distaste, in shame they hide their sorry truth from light, eternally consorting with the night. Shh! But we are spirits of another sort. With morning's love in sporting, I cavort and... Like a forester, the path I tread approaches dawn's horizon in her fiery red, and in this threshold, brightened by his beams, there Neptune fashions gold from salty streams. But now the dawns are wasting, no delay. We may complete our task before the day.
and down, up and down. I will lead them up and down. I am feared in field and town. Goblin, lead them up and down. Here comes one. <sighs> Demetrius, where are you? Speak up now. Here, villain. Drawn and ready. Where are you? I'm coming straight your way. Then follow me to plainer ground. Lysander, speak again. You run away, you coward. Have you fled? Or did you hide inside of a bush instead? You coward? Are you bragging to the stars? Berating bushes as you look for wars? Will you not come? Come, coward. Come, you child. I'll whip you with a rod. The man's defiled who draws a sword on you. Hey! Are you there? Come to my voice. We'll test your manhood here. He goes before me and still dares me on. When I follow his chiding, he is gone. Oh, the villain has a swifter stride than I. When fast I follow, faster he will fly. Oh, oh the way's uneven. I have gone astray. So here I'll rest. Now come, soft break of day. For if but once you show me your grey light, I'll see Demetrius and revenge this spite. Lysander! Oh. Hmm. Hermia! Ho ho ho, coward! You're, You're not, not coming, coming then? Uh, just wait! Wait if you dare! You're gone again. You run before me. Moving every place, but dare not stand to look me in the face! <laughs> Where did you go? I am not far away. Oh, no? Then you mock me. I will make you pay if ever I should see you in the light. <laughs> no. I'll go your way. Oh, faintness holds me tight to measure out my height on this cold bed. When day approaches... You'll be visited. Oh, weary night. Oh, long and tiresome night. Just call it quits. Bring comfort from the east to guide me back to Athens in the light, that from the haters I may be released. (laughs) And sleep. Who blinds us to what sorrows see? Please kidnap me from my own company. Yet but three, come one more. Two of both kinds make up four. Ah, here she comes, cursed and sad. Cupid is a foolish lad, so to make poor females mad. Never so weary, never so in woe. I'm dripping with dew, I'm torn with briars. I can no longer crawl nor further go. My legs have lost the race to my desires. (laughs) I'll rest up here till day surpasses dawn. God help Lysander if a fight is on. 
On the ground, sleep sound. I'll apply to your eye, gentle lover. Remedy. When you wake, you'll take true delight in the sight of your former lady's eye. And the country proverb known that every man. Should take his own, in your waking shall be shown. Jack shall have Jill, none shall go ill. The man shall have his mare again, and all be well. <laughs> Come, sit you down upon this flowery bed. I'll kiss and pinch your perfect cheeks, my girl, and kiss your fine, large ears, my gentle joy. <laughs> Next Chapter Podcasts is proud to present the Play On Podcast Series... Heracles. Young Prince of Tyre. These skulls belonged to princes like yourself. They say give up before you're just like them. In a new modern English verse translation by Ellen McLaughlin. My life's at stake. Starting Friday, June 4th. Here's Shakespeare's timeless tale about a man who loses everything only to find what matters most. Subscribe, rate, and review Play On Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go to playonpodcast.com to learn more. I still need a pair of pants. <laughs> well, we can get you some. We can make a pair out of my best shirt. down upon this flowery bed. I'll kiss and pinch your perfect cheeks, my girl. Stick perfumed roses in your sleek, smooth head and kiss your fine, large ears, my gentle joy. Oh! <laughs> uh, where's Peas Blossom? Ready. 
scratch my head, Peas Blossom. <laughs> oh, where's Monsieur Cobweb? Ready. Monsieur Cobweb, good Monsieur. Get you your weapons in your hand and kill me a red-hipped bumblebee on the top of a thistle. And good Monsieur, bring me the honey bag. And do not fetch yourself too much in the action, Monsieur. And good Monsieur. Have a care. The honey bag not break. Huh? I would be reluctant to have you soaked by a honey bag, senor. <laughs> uh, where's Mr. Mustard Seed? Ready. Give me your palm, Mr. Mustard Seed. Uh, uh? Pray you. Leave your courtesy, good monsieur. Uh, what's your will? Nothing, good monsieur, but to help Calvary Cobweb to scratch. <laughs> oh, I must go to the beauticians, monsieur, for I think I'm perfectly hairy about the face, and I'm such a prissy ass. If my hair but tickles me, I must scratch. <gasps> what? Will you hear some music, my sweet love? I have half decent ear for music. <laughs> Bring out the tongs and the bones. Or say, sweet love, what you desire to eat. Oh, anything that's starchy. I could munch your finest oats. Oh, I'm jonesing for a bale of hay. Good hay? Sweet hay? <clears throat> Has no compare. I have a venturous fairy that shall seek the squirrel's hoard and gather you new nuts. Mm, I'd rather have a handful or two of dried peas. Now, I must beg that none of the help awaken me. A sleepy exposition descends upon the story. Sleep you, and I will wind you in my arms. Fairies, be gone, and be always away. Much as the woodbine, the sweet honeysuckle gently entwines, as female ivy so enrings the barky fingers of the elm. Oh, how I love you! How I dote on you! <sighs> Welcome, good Robin. Yeah. See you this sweet sight. <laughs> the dotings on this, I begin to pity. For lately, meeting her behind the wood, seeking sweet favors from this hateful fool, I criticized her and fell out with her, for she adorned upon this hairy head a royal crown of fresh and fragrant flowers, and that same dew, which sometimes on the buds will often swell like round and orient pearls, stood now within the pretty floweret's eyes like tears that wept over their own disgrace. And once I had my fill of taunting her, she calmly asked my patience. In reply, I then did ask to take the changeling child, and right away she gave him 
sent by fairy to bring him to my bower in fairyland. Since now I have the boy, I will undo this hateful imperfection of her eyes. And gentle Puck, take this transformed head from that of this confused Athenian, so on awaking when the other does. May everyone to Athens then return again and think no more of this night's accidents, but as the fearsome troubles of a dream. But first, I will release the fairy queen. Now, as you were intended, be. See as you were meant to see. Diana's bud or Cupid's flower has such force and blessed power. Now, my Titania, wake you, my sweet queen. My Oberon, what visions have I seen? I thought I was enamored of an ass. There lies your love. How came these things to pass? Oh, how my eyes do loathe her visage now. Silence, Robin, take off this head. Oberon. Titania, call for music. Wake the dead. Turn common sleep to sensibility. Play music now. Unwind the charm of sleep. Now when you wake with your own fool's eyes, peep. Sound. Music. Come, my queen. Take hands with me and rock the ground on which these sleepers be. Solemnly dance in Duke Theseus' house triumphantly and bless his house for all prosperity. May all our faithful lovers wedded be at last along with Theseus joyously. Fairy King, please heed this mark. I do hear the morning lark. Queen, in silence sad, trip we after night's shade, orbiting the globe to soon swiftly overtake the moon. 
Come, my lord, and in our flight, tell me how it came this night that while sleeping I was found with these mortals on the ground. Find the forester. Our May Day observation must begin. <laughs> and since we have the early part of the day, my love shall hear the music of my hounds freed in the Western Valley. Let them go. Get going, I say, and find the forester. Your grace. We will, fair queen, go to the mountain's top and hear the musical confusion of hounds and echo as they play together. <laughs> I was with Hercules and Cadmus once, when in a wood of Crete they caught the bear with hounds of Sparta. <laughs> Never did I hear such gallant scolding, for besides the groves, the skies, the fountains, every region near seemed all a single cry. I never heard so musical a discord, such sweet thunder. <laughs> <laughs> My hounds are bred out of the Spartan kind. Oh. Thick-jawed and sandy-colored, their heads hung with ears that sweep away the morning dew. Dew-soaked, crook-legged, much like Thessaly bulls, slow in pursuit, but with a bark like bells, each under each. <laughs> a cry more musical was never holod to, nor cheered by horn in Crete, in Sparta, nor in Thessaly. You be the judge. <laughs> but wait. What nymphs are these? My lord. This is my daughter here asleep. And this Lysander. This Demetrius. This Helena. Old Mater's Helena. I wonder why they're sleeping here together. <laughs> no doubt they rose up early to observe the rite of May, and hearing our intent, came here, respecting our solemnity. But speak, Aegeus. Is this not the day that Hermia should tell us of her choice? It is, my lord. Go, have the huntsmen wake them with their horns. Your grace. Good morning, friends. St. Valentine is past. Do all these birdies only couple now? <laughs> Pardon, my lord. I beg you all, stand up. I know you two are rival enemies. How comes this unity here in the world that hatred is so far from jealousy to sleep by hate and fear no enemies? My lord, I shall reply amazedly, half sleep, 
halfway king, but as yet, I swear I cannot truly say how I came here. Oh, but... But, as I think, in honesty I speak. Now I think about it, so it is. I traveled here with Hermia. Our intent was leaving Athens, where we'd be without the punishments of Athens' law. Enough, enough, my lord. You have enough. I beg the law, the law upon his head. They would have sneaked away. They would, Demetrius, therefore to have defeated you and me. What? You of your wife and me of my consent. Of my consent that she should be your wife. My lord. Fair Helen told me of their stealth, of this their purpose, coming to this wood, and mad as hell I chased them down to here, with love-struck Helena, hot on my heels. But, my good lord, I cannot say by what spell, but by some spell it is. My love to Hermia, like snow that melted, seems to me no more than costume jewelry a child would prize to be unmasked in puberty as paste. In all the faith... What's holy in my heart, the object and the pleasure of my eye is Helena alone. I was engaged to her, my lord, before I noticed Hermia, but like being sick, I hated food I loved, but then in health, my normal taste came back. My every appetite is Helena. Forever I'll be true to she I love. (laughs) Hermia, how... Blessed are the meetings of each love. We'll hear more on this topic. Just not now. Aegeus, I will overrule your will. For in the temple, soon enough, with us, these couples shall eternally be wed. And as the morning has worn herself out, our hunting trip will take some other day. Let's all head home to Athens. Three and three. We'll hold ourselves the solemnest of feasts. Come, Hippolyta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my. How tiny and unclear those troubles seem, like far-off mountains turning into clouds. It's like I see things with divided eyes, for everything seems double. Me as well. And I found Demetrius like a jewel, my own and not my own. Are you sure that we're awake? For it occurs to me that yet we sleep... We dream. Do you not think the Duke was here? Who said to follow him? Yes, and my father. And Polita. And he told us to travel to the temple. Uh, why, we're awake. <laughs> Let's follow him. <laughs> Along the way, we'll tell each other of our dreams. My cue comes, call me, and I will answer. My next cue is most fair pyramid. Peter Quince? Flute, the bellows mender. Snout, the tinker. Starveling? Oh, my God. They ran away and left me asleep. Oh. I have had a most 
rare vision. I have had a dream beyond the smarts of man to say what dream it was. I mean, the man's an ass to go examining this dream. I thought I was... There is no man can tell what. I thought I was... And I thought I had... But man is but a mended fool if he even offers to say what I thought I had. The eye of man has not heard. The ear of man has not seen. Man's hand is not able to taste, nor his tongue to conceive, nor his heart to report what my dream was. Mm. I will get Peter Quince to write a ballad of this dream. It shall be called Bottom's Dream, because it has no bottom. And I will sing it in the latter end of the play before the Duke. Perhaps, to make it the more gracious, I shall sing it at her death. <laughs> oh, I'll wait. <laughs> to Bottom's house? <laughs> Did she come home yet? She'll not be found, Peter Quince. Oh, you can bet she's kidnapped. Oh. Without her, the, the play is tarnished. It, it can't proceed, can it? Impossible. No man of Athens can discharge Pyramus, but she... No. She has simply the best wit of any handicraftman in Athens. <laughs> Yes, and the best person, too. And she is a great paramour if you go by her sweet voice. You must say paragon. A paramour is, God bless us, a thing of nothing. (gasps) (gasps) Masters. The duke is coming from the temple, and there is two or three lords and ladies more married. If our play had gone forward, we'd have been made men. Oh, oh, sweet bully bottom. So has she lost six cents a day during her life. She'd not have avoided six cents a day. And the duke had not given her six cents a day for playing Pyramus, I'll be hanged. She would have deserved it. Six cents a day is Pyramus or nothing. How is she going to survive? Where are these lads? Where are these hearts? I am to tell you of wonders, but ask me not what for, because if I tell you, I am no true Athenian. I will tell you everything right as it fell out. Let us hear sweet bottoms. Not a word of me. All that I will tell you is that the Duke has dined. Get your apparel together, good strings to your beards, new ribbons to your pumps, meet me presently at the palace, every man look over his part, for the short and the long is... Our play is preferred. Yes! 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 
In any case, let Thisbe have clean linen and let not him that plays the lion clip his nails, for they shall hang out for the lion's claws. And most dear actors, eat no onions nor garlic, for we are to utter sweet breath. And I expect that they shall say it is a sweet comedy. <laughs> Bottom, can you listen to my voice? <laughs> no more words. Going to get away. Go away. Strange story, Theseus, that these lovers tell. More strange than true. Mm. I never may believe these antique fables or these fairy tales. Lovers and madmen have such busy brains, creative fantasies, that capture details more than pure reason ever comprehends. The lunatic, the lover, and the poet reside together in imagination. One sees more devils than vast hell can hold. That is the madman. The lover, all is frantic, sees Helena Troy in an unlikely face. The poet's eye, which rolls in a fine frenzy, looks round from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven, and as imagination emanates the forms of things unknown, the poet's pen turns them to shapes and gives to nothingness a local habitation and a name. Such tricks have strong imagination that if it would but capture then some joy, it comprehends some bringer of that joy. Mm. Or in the night when one is full of fear, how easy is a bush assumed to bear? <laughs> With all the story of the night told over and all their minds transformed together, experience exceeds imagination. So birthing something solid to endure however strange and admirable it is. Here come the lovers, full of joy and mirth. Joy, gentle friends, and freshest days of love accompany your hearts. More than you wish waits in your royal walks, your room, your bed. Come now, what plays? <laughs> what dances shall we have to wear away this long age of three hours between dessert and off to bedtime. <laughs> Where is our usual manager of mirth? What festivities await? Is there no play to ease the boredom of a torturous hour? <laughs> what entertainment have we for this evening? What mask? What music? How shall we all spend the lazy time, if not with some delight? Here is a list of all the fun in store. Make choice of which your highness will see first. <clears throat> The battle with the centaurs to be sung by an Athenian eunuch to the harp. Will none of that. That I have told my love to honor my relation, Hercules. Ooh, the riot of the tipsy bacchanals tearing the Thracian singer in their rage. That is a tired tale. And it was played when I came back a conqueror from Thebes. The thrice three muses mourning for the death of learning late deceased in poverty. <laughs> that is some satire, keen and critical, most inappropriate for a wedding day. <laughs> Ooh, 
A tedious brief scene of Pyramus and his love Thisbe. Very tragical mirth. <laughs> Merry and tragical. <laughs> tedious and brief. That's like hot ice and wondrous strange snow. <laughs> How shall we find a chord within this discord? <laughs> a play there is, my lord. Some ten words long, which is as brief a play as I have known. Being ten words, my lord, it is too long, which makes it <laughs> tedious. For in all the play, no word is right, nor actor who's well cast. Oh. A tragedy, my noble lord, it is. For Pyramus commits a suicide, which, just seeing rehearsed, I must confess, my eyes brimmed over with the merriest tears that passion of loud laughter never shed. <laughs> and, and what are they who play the roles? Uh, some laborers that toil in Athens here, who never labored in their minds till now, <laughs> and now have taxed their spotty memories with this same play in honor of your marriage. And we will hear it. Next Chapter Podcast is proud to present the Play On Podcast series, Coriolanus, in a new modern English verse translation by Sean San Jose. Starting Friday, November 8th, hear Shakespeare's tragedy about the legendary Roman leader who fell prey to the people and politicians he swore to protect, performed entirely by women and gender non-binary actors. Go to playonpodcast.com to learn more. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Let's hear this play, then. Let the magic start. A tedious, brief scene of Pyramus and his love, Thisbe. Very tragical mirth. <laughs> it's not for you, my lord. I've heard it through, and it is nothing, nothing in the world, unless you have a laugh at their intentions, as truly they're in way over their heads to do you service. I will hear that play. For never anything can be a wrong when simpleness and duty offer it. Go, bring them in, and take your places, ladies. <laughs> I dislike seeing anguish overplayed, nor duty dying from a life of service. My gentle sweet, you shall see no such thing. He says they can do nothing of the kind. The kinder we are, giving thanks for nothing. Our fun shall be observing their mistakes... And if they're short of competent, we'll say 
You all were working very hard up there. <laughs> Where I have gone, ambassadors have come to greet me with premeditated welcomes. Where I have seen them shiver and look pale, make periods in the midst of sentences, bungle their practiced accent in their fears, and in conclusion, dumbly breaking off, not paying me a welcome. Trust me, sweet, out of this silence, I detect a welcome. And in this nervous, stammered introduction, I read as much as from the wordy tongue of confident and practiced eloquence. Love, therefore, and tongue-tied simplicity in least speaks most. At least from what I've seen. <laughs> so please, your grace, the prologue is arriving. Let him approach! <laughs> <laughs> If we offend, it is with our goodwill That you should think we come not to offend, but with goodwill To show our simple skill, that is the true beginning of our end Consider then, we come but in despite We do not come as minding to contest you, our true intent is All for your delight, we are not here That you should... Here repent you. The actors are at hand, and by their show, you shall know all that you are like to know. <laughs> this fellow doth not stand upon points. She declaimed her prologue like an untamed cult. She knows not the stop. <laughs> A good moral, my lord. It is not enough to speak, but to speak true. Indeed, she has played on her prologue like a child on a recorder. A sound, but not in any order. Her speech was like a tangled chain. Nothing is broken, but all tied in knots. <laughs> Who is next? Gentles, perchance you wonder at this show, but wonder on till truth make all things plain. This man is Pyramus, if you would know. This beautied lady, Thisbe, is certain. This man, with lime and mortar, do present wall. That vile wall, which separates these lovers. And through walls gash, poor souls, they are content to whisper. At the witch, let no man wonder. Me, here, with lantern, dog, and bush of thorn, presents here moonshine. For, if you will know, by moonshine did these lovers think no scorn to meet at Nina's tomb, there, there to woo. This grisly beast of lion known by name, the trusty Thisbe, coming first by night, did scare away, or rather did affright. And as she fled, she fled and dropped her shawl, which lion vile with bloody mouth did stain. Along comes Pyramus, sweet youth and tall, and finds his trusty Thisbe's mantle slain. <gasps> At that, with blade, with bloody, blameful blade, he bravely broached his boiling, bloody breast. 
and Thisbe hanging out in mulberry shade, his dagger drew and died. For all the rest, let lion, moonshine, wall, and lovers twain begin discussion while here they remain. I wonder if the lion plans to speak. <laughs> no wonder, my lord, one lion may when many asses do. <laughs> In this same interval, it doth befall that I, one snug by name, present a wall. And such a wall as I shall now rehash, inside it had a glorious hole, or gash, through which the lovers, Pyramus and Thisbe, did whisper often, very secretly. This sand, this mortar, and this stone here show I am that very wall. The truth is so. And this the cranny is, right and sinister, through which the fearful lovers are to whisper. Do you need lime and hair to speak more clearly? It is the wittiest partition that ever I heard converse, my lord. Pyramus draws near the wall. Silence. Grim look, knight. Oh, knight with hue so black. Oh, knight, whichever is when day is not. Oh, knight, oh, knight. Alack, alack, alack. I fear my Thisbe's promise is forgot. And you, oh, wall, oh, sweet, oh, lovely wall that stands between her father's ground and mine. You wall, oh wall, oh sweet and lovely wall, show me thy gash to mash against mine eyne. <laughs> oh. Thanks, courteous wall. <laughs> Jove shield you well for this. But what do I see? No Thisbe do I see? Oh, wicked wall, <clears throat> through whom I see no bliss. Curse all your stones for so deceiving me. <laughs> the wall, I think, being sensible, should curse again. What? No! In truth, sir, he should not. Deceiving me is Thisbe's cue. She is to enter now, and I am to see her through the wall. You shall see. It will fall cleanly as I told you. Oh, yonder she comes. <laughs> oh, wall. Quite often have you heard my moans for parting my fair Pyramus and me. My cherry lips have often kissed your stones, your stones with lime and hair stirred up in you. <laughs> I see a voice. Now will I to the slot to see and I can hear my Thisbe's face. <laughs> Thisbe! My love! You art my love, I thought. Think what you will. I'm your lover's grace. And, like Commander, I am trusty still. And I, like Helen, to the fates me kill. Not Shaffalus to Procris was so true. As Shaffalus to Procris, I to you. Oh, kiss me through the hole of this vile wall. I kiss a gash and not your lips at all. Will you at Ninny's tomb meet me straightway? <laughs> tide life, tide death, I come without delay. <laughs> Thus have I, <clears throat> wall, 
My part is played well so. And being done, thus, mm, wall, away doth go. Now the wall divides the two neighbors. No problem solved, my lord, when walls are so willful to hear without warning. Stuff that I have ever heard. The best plays like this are but shadows, and the worst are no worse if imagination fills in the blanks. Oh, it must be your imagination then, and not theirs. If we imagine no worse of them than they of themselves, they may pass for excellent men. Mm. Here come two noble beasts in a man and a lion. You ladies, you. Whose gentle hearts do fear the smallest monstrous mouse that creeps on floor may now perchance both quake and tremble here. When lion, rough and wildish rage, doth roar. Then know that I, one snug the joiner, am a lion fell, nor else no lion's dame. For if I should, as lion, come in strife into this place, twere pity. On my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A very gentle beast of good conscience. <laughs> the very best at a beast, my lord, that ever I saw. This lion is a very fox for his valor. This lantern now. And a goose for keeping secrets. <laughs> Not so, my lord, for his valor cannot carry his discretion, and the fox carries the goose. His discretion, I am sure, cannot carry his valor, for the goose carries not the fox. It is well. Leave him to his secrets and let us listen to the moon. This lantern now, the horn and moon presents myself. She should wear the cuckold's horns upon her head. She is no crescent and her horns are invisible within the circumference. This lantern now, the horn and moon presents myself, the man in the moon I seem to be. This is the greatest error of them all. The girl should be put into the lantern. How else could she be the man in the moon? She dares not come there for the candle, for you see, it is already. I grow weary of this moon if she would only change. It appears by her modest light that she is waning. But yet, in politeness, in all reason, we must wait it out. Proceed, moon. All that I have to say is to tell you that the lantern is the moon, I the man in the moon, this thorn bush, my thorn bush, and this dog, my dog. (laughs) Why all these should be in the lantern, for all these are in the moon. Oh, but silence. Here comes Thisbe. This is old Ninny's tomb. Dinah's tomb! Where is my love? Oh, yeah. Well roared, Lion! Well run, Fisby! Well shown, Boone! (laughs) Truly the moon shines with a good grace of the brother! Well moused, Lion! And so the Lion vanished. And then came Pyramus. Sweet moon, I thank you for your sunny beams. I thank you, moon, for shining now so bright. For by your gracious golden glittering gleams, I trust to take of truest Thisbe sight. <laughs> but stay, oh spite. But mark, poor knight, what dreadful sadness here. Eyes, do you see? How can it be? Oh, dainty duck. Oh, dear. Your mantle good. What? Stained with blood? (laughs) Approach, you furies fell. Faith, come. Come. Cut, thread, and thrum. Quail, crushed. 
conclude and quell. <laughs> this passion and the death of a dear friend would nearly come to make a man look sad. Oh, curse my heart, but I pity the man. Oh, why, oh, nature, did you make lions? <laughs> Since lion vile has here deflowered my dear, which is... No, no, which was the fairest dame that lived, that loved, that liked, that looked with cheer. Come, tears. Confound. Sword and wound the heart of Pyramus. I that left vent where heart would hop stabs himself. <laughs> Thus die I. Thus. Now I am dead. Now I am fled. My soul is in the sky. Tongue, lose your light. Moon, t- take your flight. Now, die. yet recover and prove himself an ass. Oh, how curious that Moonshine is gone before Thiz comes back and finds her lover. She will find him by starlight. Oh. Here she comes, and her passion ends the play. Oh, methinks she should not use a long speech for such a pyramus. I hope she will be brief. <laughs> a speck of dust will turn the balance. Which pyramus, which Thisbe is the better? He for a man, God allow us. She for a woman, God bless us. <laughs> she has spied him already with those sweet eyes. And thus she moans, by which she says, Asleep, my love? What, dead, my dove? Oh, Pyramus, arise! Speak, speak! Quite dumb? Dead. Dead. A tomb must cover your sweet eyes. These lily lips, this cherry nose, these yellow cowslip cheeks are gone, are gone. My love, make moan. His eyes were green as leeks. Oh, sisters, three, come. Come to me with hands as pale as milk. 
lay them in gore since you have shorn with shears his thread of silk. Tongue, not a word. Come, trusty sword, and blade my breast right through. And farewell, friends. Thus, this be ends. Moonshine and Lion are left to bury the dead. I and Wall, too. Uh, no, I assure you. <laughs> that parted their fathers. Will it please you to see the epilogue or hear a bergamas dance between two of our company? No no epilogue, I pray you, for your play needs no excuse. Never excuse, for when the players are all dead, there needs none to be blamed. Mary, if he that wrote it had played Pyramus and hanged himself with Thisbe's garter, it would have been a fine tragedy. And so it is, truly, and very notably played out. Bring on your burgomast. Let your epilogue alone. The iron tongue of midnight hath told us twelve. Lovers, to bed. Tis almost fairy time. I fear we shall outsleep the coming dawn as much as we have overwatched this night. This obvious, gross play has well seduced the heavy step of night. Sweet friends, to bed. To bed. For two weeks, we hold this solemnity and nightly revels and new jollity. hungry lion roars, and the wolf howls at the moon, while the heavy plowman snores. All their weary tasks are done. Now the wasted fires do glow, while the screech owl, screeching loud, tells the wretch that lies in woe, death awaits him in a shroud. Now it is the time of night that the graves all gaping wide. Every one lets forth his sprite in the churchway paths to glide. And we fairies that do run by the queen of witches' team from the presence of the sun following darkness like a dream now are frolic. Not a mouse shall disturb this honored house. I am sent with broom before. 
to sweep the dust behind the door. house gives gathering light by the dead and drowsy fire. Every elf at fairy sprite hop as light as bird from briar. And this ditty, after me, sing and dance it trippingly. First, rehearse your song by rote. To each word a warbling note. Hand in hand with fairy grace will we sing and bless this place. of day through this house each fairy stray to the best bride bed will we which by us shall blessed be and the children we create ever shall be fortunate so shall all the couples three ever true and loving be and defects of nature's hand shall not in their children stand. Never mole, hair, lip, nor scar, nor noticeable mark as are despised in one's infancy shall upon their children be. With this dawning then abide, every fairy take his stride, each and every bedroom bless through this palace soothing stress, and the owner of it blessed ever shall in safety rest. Trip away! Make no stay. Meet me all by break of day. If we shadows have offended, think but this, and all is mended. That you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear. And this weak and idle theme, no more yielding but a dream. Gentles, do not reprimand. If you pardon, we will mend. As I am an honest 
puck. If we have unearned luck to escape the serpent's tongue, we'll amend it before long. Else the puck a liar call. So, good night unto you all. Give me your hearts if we be friends, and Robin shall restore amends. Play On podcast series, A Midsummer Night's Dream, was translated into the modern tongue by Jeff Witte and directed by Catherine Eaton. Sound designer, Arjun Sheff and Patrick Burgess. Sound engineer, Sadaharu Yagi. Dialogue editor, Larry Walsh. Executive producer, Michael Goodfriend. Senior producer, Miriam Lauba. Managing producer, Robert Capadona. Coordinating producer, Taylor Bailey. Casting by the Telsey office, Karen Castle, CSA, and Ada Karamanian. The cast is as follows. Alexandra Henriksen as Helena. Amari Cheatham as Oberon. Armando McLean as Aegeus and Snug. Cedric Lamar as Flute and Mustard Seed. Christopher Livingston as Demetrius and Peas Blossom. Daisuke Tsuji as Pak. David Fur as Theseus. Kopal Divan as Lysander. Jamie Ann Romero as Hermia and Cobweb. Gina Yi as Quince and Moth. Jen Harris as Bottom. Manila Luzon as Hippolyta. And Michelle Beck as Titania. Additional support was provided by voice and text consultant Rebecca Clark Carey. Equipment and recording engineer Tommy Freed, the senior manager of business operations and partnerships at Next Chapter Podcasts, is Sally Cade Holmes. The Play On Podcast series A Midsummer Night's Dream is produced by Next Chapter Podcasts and is made possible by the generous support of the Hits Foundation. For more about the series, go to playonpodcasts.com. Where you'll find interviews with the artists, producers, and engineers who brought it all to life. Bottoms up. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Next Chapter Podcasts.